0: the Lord, everybody. Good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. It's been a a good morning already. Been spending time with the Lord. I told Brother Chambly, reminded this morning to see election results, reminded how desperately our country needs to move to God because it's a broke thing. If you can't look at the current state of the just the economy—you don't have to be born again. Just look at the state of the economy, and then vote for a Democrat. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know I don't know how to help you other than you need the Lord to fix some stuff up here. But we, our country, still desperately needs God. I'm not looking toward politics this morning. I'm looking toward heaven. I believe the promises of God are just as true. For Yesterday. So if you're able, we're going to ask you to stand with us and let's invite the presence of the Lord in our midst. This morning, Father, again, we're humbled to be in your house, in your presence, in your presence there's fullness of joy at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. Lord, all of my hope, all of my faith, all of my confidence is in you. You've never lost, you've never failed, And I sing the chorus with all of heaven. Hallelujah for the Lord God, omnipotent reigns. You're in control this morning. We thank you for it. We pray you'll inhabit our praise. You'll anoint the preaching of the word. You'll touch our heart and life around this altar, oh God. We're forever grateful. We ask it in Jesus' name. We're in your presence.
1: I'm traveling. I'm traveling. Oh, yeah,
2: Thank you. of our seeds that we have in our life. Chief was tossing.
0: I guess this week. Well, it's been just a real joy to be here. I've enjoyed the Word of God, the worship, the fellowship, and uh, I've enjoyed just sitting here, brother, soaking it up, not having to do anything. Uh, it's just been wonderful. I just appreciate the hospitality and the invite to come. Amen. Just in case you're wondering, that's Brother Chambly's son, daughter-in-law, grandson, granddaughter. I'm so glad that they got to come be a camp meeting with us. It's an honor to have them. Will J.P. stand greet somebody this morning? Good to have you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Just come looking to see what God's going to do. Amen. Amen. Let's love his preachers. He comes this morning. Amen. We certainly do appreciate
3: all of you that are here today. And it is a a privilege of ours to be able to stand in this pulpit. And uh, speak to you what I feel like God has laid upon our hearts today to share with you in this service. And we do want to say thanks to the pastor and all the church and for everything y'all have done up to this point and what you'll continue to do throughout the remainder of the next couple of days. And uh, I have enjoyed uh, being uh, in this uh, camp meeting with you. It's my first trip to this church. And uh, we just want to do our very best while we're here to share the gospel with you and feed those of you that are here listening to us live. And then those that are not here, we're going to do everything we can to help them to get here because they need to be live with us. Somebody say amen. I believe the best way you can have church if you can do it is to get to church and have church. Amen. Livestream has is, is supported a lot of people. And I appreciate Livestream because Jesus said that we would do greater works than he did. He never had the opportunity to preach as many people as I'm preaching to this morning. So that's greater, but it's not that I'm greater than he is. It's just greater works. Are you listening to me? And God knew that, that we would have the opportunity in 2022 to be able to preach to China, Africa, Europe, all over the world through this one message. So I'm asking you this morning, if you would stand with me, we're going to go back to the book of 2 Kings. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's good to to have these pastors and all of those who are visiting with us today and all the home folk that are here in church today. We certainly are glad to have you. And he is the master of the sea. I'm going to talk to you on the second part of this message here this morning that we started out yesterday with. And uh, we're going to ask you to help us this morning just for a little while. I feel like God's got a few more things I need to say to you. In reference to this scripture, 2 Kings 4 and verse 1, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elijah, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditors is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elijah said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out unto all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him, and shut the door upon her and upon her sons and brought the vessels to her and she poured out. Somebody says she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and she told the man of God and he said, Go sell the oil, pay thy debt and live thy And thy children of the rest. Live thy and thy children of the rest. I want to talk to you again on the thought that it is already in the house right here today. You can be seated, but please don't sit down on me and help me just for a little while as we uh, endeavor to dig back into this again. I want to pick up where I left off yesterday morning. uh, And I was talking about this latest desperation. And as I look across and scan across this congregation here this morning, I see, I see all of you faces that are here today, and I do believe that there's somebody in the mix of us, and if there's not nobody in the mix of us, there's somebody standing in the pulpit with you that's in a desperate situation. I have some desperate things going on in my life that I desperately need God to help me with. And God's already told me to preach to you and to preach to me that he's already in the house and he's going to help us with our desperate situation. You see, in our text, this woman was desperate. She was a desperate person. And the Bible says, the woman said to the creditor, He is come. The creditor is come. He is come to take my two sons and to make bombers out of them. Now, I want you to look at those two words is come. Is come. What did is come mean? Not just talking about it. Right. Not calling and harassing me on the phone about it. Not threatening to take me to the court. Is come. Right. Not sending me mean letters and talking to me, and threatening me, and said, I'm going to take you, sons. No, is come, sent to me. said, he is at the door. Right, right. He is at the door. But not only is he at the door, there's somebody else that's in the house. Right. Yeah. Come on. When the devil's knocking at the door, there's somebody in the house with you. Right. Y'all better help me preach here this morning. You see, let me make it a little bit plainer this morning, by maybe just a little bit more personal to you. You see, cancer is come. Cancer is come. Bankruptcy is come. Death is come. Oppression is come. Depression is come. The creditors is come. They're already knocking at the door. In other words, it may be my house that now is in trouble. It may be your house that now is in trouble. It's not just your children that's on drugs. Now it's my house. My children are on drugs. It's not just your teenage daughter that is pregnant. It could be my teenage daughter that is pregnant. Are you listening to me? You see, it it, it is not just some unknown nameless soldier that is over in Iraq and may get shot and may get killed. It could be your son or your daughter, daughter or your husband or your wife that may be over there. In other words, it's right now in your house at your door, knocking on your door. You see, many people go through foreclosures on the house, and it may not be yours right now, but it could be yours in the distant near future. And when that happens, you're going to need somebody to help you. In other words, I want you to know today that it is come, it is come. He is at the door, he's knocking right now. And some reason we get a little more serious. All of us get a little bit more serious and a little bit more aggressive about it when it becomes our ship, our house, our boat that the devil is on. Amen. Right. I you see, she reached the place of desperation and she cried out to the prophet. Right. Somebody say the prophet was already in the house. But not just the prophet was in the house, but there was a little part of ore that was in that house. And I'm telling you, it makes a difference when you know, you know that you know that you know that it's already in the house. You see, she reached that place of desperation. She cried out to the prophet. And there came a point when you do not have time. This morning, I'm telling you, we don't have time to waste. We don't have time to try to be cute in this service. We don't have time to try to just, you know, try to impress nobody in this service. You see, we need to cry out immediately. This camp meeting's going to be over in a couple of more mornings. As far as my part is concerned. And today we don't need to wait till a couple of more mornings. We need to get what we need today in this service today. You gotta get desperate. Desperate is getting, I'm telling you, getting down to the point that you just do away with foolish pride. Desperation is getting down that you understand that the Bible says in Mark chapter 5 and verse 35, it says that Jairus amen, got desperate for his daughter. And the Bible says, and he that, that she would be healed. And it didn't, he didn't care, he didn't care what was going on. He saw Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, his reputation, Amen, his religious, amen background, he didn't care who saw him with Jesus. Because you see, he was a very high polluting person. And he had a, he had a you know, reputation across the land where he was in. And he, did, you know, he didn't care whether people saw him with Jesus or not. You know why? Because he had a daughter that was desperately needing help. I said he had a daughter that was desperately needing help. And God, I'm telling you, will help you this morning. I don't know what you come here for this morning, but I do know one thing. If you've got a desperate need, it's in the house right now. Some 35, almost 36 years, I guess 36 years ago, me and my wife, we were in the hospital. She was in the hospital in the ward where they have babies. So 36 years ago in August, August, this past August was 36 years ago, August the 9th, she was in the hospital and she was getting ready to deliver the first baby that I and her would ever have in this life. And for 30, about 30 hours, 24, 26, 27, 28 hours. There was an emergency came up. There was a desperation situation that came up in that in that room where she was at. And the doctor come come out to where I was out, and he told me. He said, "We have an emergency. We're gonna have to do, and if immediately, we're gonna have to do a C-section. Can we have your approval to do that?" I said, "Go ahead. If it's an emergency, go ahead. I, I ain't got time. I ain't got time." He said, "Well, let me think about it. Let me pray about it." Let me, let me see if there's anything else that we can do. No. It was an emergency. Yeah. It was a desperate situation. And so immediately I said, Go ahead and do what you gotta do. And so they went on and went on. And I stood out there, brother head, and stood out there, brother head, and stood, there the head and, stood there and stood out there and stood out there and sat out there and sat out there, twiddling my fingers and wondering what in the world's going on. I hadn't heard anything, hadn't seen nobody, no doctors come out and talk to me. And several hours later, this doctor came out to me and he said, This He said, We have got some good news and bad news. What you want to hear first? I said, The good news. Well, he said, what the good news is, the baby is stable. And then he went on to say, when your baby was born, she was dead. Eight minutes, Pastor, eight minutes. You know as well as I know, when you were born in eight minutes you are dead, you have no life in you, you have no breathing in you. That is a serious situation. Eight minutes, she was dead, but we finally got her back to life. I got her two life, actually. Got her two life. She was living in the womb, and then she died before they actually got her out, or after they got her out. She was eight minutes dead. And I stood there in that hospital hallway when he told me that. I'm telling you, my heart was broken. All kinds of things going through my mind, all kinds of situations going through my mind. And I'm saying to myself, what am I going to do? I was in a desperate situation. I was just a young 30-year-old first-time father. But I was telling you when I walked the hallways of that hospital, I began to cry out to God and call upon the Lord. And I'm telling you, I put it in the hands of God and I said, There's nothing I can do. And for the first three months, we took our baby to that same doctor that delivered her. And every time we'd go, he would talk about this. She's going to be this away. She's going to have these problems and she's going to have those problems. And after three months of hearing that doctor talk about all this negative stuff, I said, I'm sick of this, honey. I said, we're going to find us another doctor, and we're going to trust God. Yeah. He said, she's going to be brain damaged, she'll be deformed, she'll be this, she'll be that. But I'm telling you, she graduated with a degree, amen, from a university there in Wilmington, North Carolina. And now she's working, working for the SBI. And she's never had no setbacks like that doctor predicted for three months to us. You're talking about a miracle. She is a miracle child. And I'm telling you today, whatever you have need of today in your life, God can meet your need today. I said God can meet your need today. You've got to get desperate and you've got to get to the point that you want God to do it today and God can do it today. Desperation pushes you to a point that I'm telling you that you'll do things that you would not normally do. And that's where the church is at today. We need to get so desperate we'll start fasting and we normally don't fast. And we'll start praying, amen, more than what we normally do. Come on, somebody help me right now. And if we'll pray, and if we'll fight, I'm telling you, church, here this morning, that God will move in this county between now and Friday night, and there can be mighty miracles that will take place in this house. Yes, amen. Yes, oh, Desperation will calm you and push you to a place where you'll get out of your comfort zone. And how many of you are sitting comfortable there this morning? Right. Right. Yeah. Come on, I know you are. You're sitting very comfortable. Amen. But you know what? God told me to tell you this morning I need to push you and you need to push yourself out of your comfort zone. You just don't need to sit there and comfort. You need to do something that you don't normally do in a camp meeting morning service. Right. Come on now. I said you need to act in the way that you normally don't act in a camp meeting service. You see why are you saying that preacher? Because it dawned on me. It dawned on me. This is what's happening. Some of you come here empty the Lord told me to tell you, this is what the devil wants to do to you. He wants to crush you. He wants to take all the joy. I want somebody to say the joy. He's going to squeeze all the joy out of you. And when he squeezes all the joy out of you, you ain't got no shout. You just sit there. Ain't saying nothing, ain't doing nothing. Come on now. Oh, I'm preaching to you this morning. I ain't mean about it either. I'm as nice and as kind as I can. And that's where the devil's got somebody right here. He's got you squeezed down. And you're sitting there. What's the next move that preacher going to do? I'm just a simple old preacher. I don't have no deep stuff like theology, stuff like Brother Jimmy preaches last night about the eagle. I can't get that high. I'm staying low, baby. I'm going to stay where I can. I'm going to stay where I can preach the way I preach. Come on, somebody help me. Yeah! My God, my old voice is about half-cracked. I've been having sinus effects for the last three or four months, and it's been affecting my voice. But I'm going to scream and holler. If I start sounding like an eagle, I'm going higher. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what God told me today? Even though the devil's trying to put a squeeze on you and your life and your family, and things are going crazy, I know there's some desperate situations in the lives of people that are sitting here this morning. But you know what God told me he's going to do this morning? Even though the devil's got you squeezed like this? That looks terrible, don't you? That looks like it's a mess, don't you? But look at this. Then when God blows into you, yes. amen this is where you're going to come out, and the devil's now squeezing you, and he can't do nothing with you. Why? Because you're not no longer empty, but you're full of the Holy Ghost. You're full of the power. You're full of the anointing of God, and God said, let the devil squeeze, but he can't squeeze your joy out. He can't squeeze your shout out. He can't squeeze your praise out. Why? Because you've got yourself on the night, and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, and God is going to do a work in you. I'm telling somebody here, you need to let God fill you up. I said, you need to let God fill you with the Holy Ghost and before this revival and this time is over you can be baptized with the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. You see when the devil squeezes you out, what did I do with that bottle? What did I put it there? Here it goes. The devil squeezes you out so he goes to seal off. It's a different story now. God wants to see you with the Holy Ghost. I said God wants to seal somebody here with the Holy Ghost this morning. I mean, there's some young people in here. And there's some older people in here this morning. You may not be filled with the Spirit. I don't know what your situation is, but let me tell you this morning: it don't have to be. It don't have to be camp meeting night. It can be camp meeting morning. God can fill you with the Holy Ghost this morning, just like God can fill you with the Holy Ghost tonight. Come on, somebody help me. I'm telling somebody here this morning, I'm desperate to see somebody in this church service today to receive a miracle. I want God to do something in your life. You see, God wants you and I don't understand that he can do his much today as he can tomorrow, and he'll help you today like you will help you tomorrow. Right. You, see, you, don't, you see, people will do desperate situations. They'll do, they'll do things. You see, people, are, they'll, roll, they'll roll their eyes at you. You ever, you ever had anybody roll their eyes at you? I ain't talking about your wife or your husband. I know y'all do that. You, you're wiser than the husband. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Somebody go ahead and smile at me. Yeah. Desperate people do desperate things. You know what? You know what happened? And you'll do this sometimes. You're not even desperate. You'll run red lights. Right. Huh? When you get desperate and there's something going on, amen, you go right for a red light because you got somewhere you got to get to and there's some emergency. marriage you got your lights up flashing, you got your horn blowing, and you're just going. Come on, somebody help me right now. If you got a, a matter of life or death situation and your wife is in the, in the back seat of the car and she's fixing to have your fourth baby and something's going on crazy and you don't know what's going on, you're going to try to get to the emergency room, the hospital, or whatever you get, and you do things that you normally wouldn't do and drive the way you normally wouldn't drive. Why? Because it's an emergency you got to treat your situation here this morning like it's an emergency. You see, you've got to break, amen. I you've got to run through red lights. You've got to break the speed limit. You've got to break the religious tradition of things. You've got to understand that God wants your life to be blessed. And I'm telling many people, like Zacchaeus, he climbed up a tree. He got so desperate. I'm telling you, he climbed a tree. And Jesus brought him out of that tree and carried him home with him. And Peter, Peter got so desperate. He was out there in that ship, and that ship was going to and fro, and tossed and to and fro, and it was a bad storm coming up. And they saw this spirit coming toward. And the Bible said, Peter said, "Lord, if He should bid me come, He did something desperate. He stepped right. out the boat. Right. How many of you've ever stepped out in the boat, and walked on water? I know I've never have. Matter of fact, I told Brother Jimmy. I said that, that beautiful ocean out there we've been looking at for the last several days. I said it's wonderful. He said, "How how far you have you been out? I said I went out 25 miles on a boat one time." I got so sick I like to die out there. And I said, when I got back to earth, I promised God and myself I'd never go back to there that again. That's right. You, 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 you can forgive if you think I'm going deep sea fishing. I'm not even going to go on a boat cruise. Are y'all waiting here this morning? I ain't that desperate. I know the first time I got up there, I like to die. And if they take me out there again on a boat cruise and they won't bring me back for a week, I know they'll have to burn me when I get back. That's the reason I didn't join the Navy. I joined the Army. I didn't like water. I like my feet on the ground. Come on, somebody help me right now. I said, I like my feet on the ground. Hallelujah to the Lamb. In other words, I, I, I've seen people that are so desperate, I've seen them crawl to the altar on their knees before God. And when they finally got to the altar, God worked a miracle in their life. So whatever you got to do this morning, amen, obey God. Would you please obey God? Let God do in you what God wants to do in you. You see, there's some something about desperation that puts a fire in your belly. It puts a fire in your belly. When you get desperate, you will sometimes even look stupid and even do stupid things as far as people are concerned. But you're not concerned about what it looks like to them. Because you see, you'll get to a situation that you don't even, you don't even Want to be dignified. And you know, we got a lot of dignified folks in church. Right. They ain't going to shout because they ain't going to get the herd messed up. Mm-hmm. They ain't going to wall on the floor because they ain't going to get the clothes wrinkled. Come oh, come on now. That might be what needs to happen around here this weekend before now and Friday night. We might need to get undignified. Come on, We we might need to get loose in the spirit Get loose in the presence of God And whatever God does in us and through us We'll just throw up our hands And surrender to the divine order And will of God And the purpose of God What God wants us to do In other words, some of you need to shout That maybe you haven't shouted yet Oh come on, somebody help me right now I am telling you, this is not just a bottle It's an illustration Some of us need to get a little bit more spiritual Than what we are right now Woo! Somebody say, "Whoa!" Hallelujah. We fix. Get on the warpath man. I've already got you in tune there. Now listen, when you are desperate and there's an emergency going on, you forget all about dignification. You don't want to be dignified anymore. You just want the will of God to be done in your life. And by the time people reach a desperation situation, they're willing to do anything to get their need met. And I believe this woman, she was in such a desperate situation she knew. She knew that she needed a miracle. And when you get desperate, that's the grounds for a miracle. That's the grounds for a miracle. She was critical. She had a critical situation going on. They were already at her house. Not coming. Not calling her. Not, not texting her. Come on. Right. But they were. Right. That's right. Who's that? We're the creditors. We've come to take your two sons to make bond service out of if you don't pay up your debt. What am I going to do now? I don't have no money. I'm busted and I'm disgusted. And she had the man of God visiting her, the prophet, Elijah. And so she turned to Elijah and said, what am I going to do? And the prophet said, what do you have in the house? She said, your handmaid has nothing except for just a pot of oil. It's already in the house. I said it's already in the house. Let me give you five quick steps here this morning. And uh, I want you to listen to these five steps. It's not going to take me just a few minutes to get these five steps to you. And I'm going to move on to something else. And then we're going to bring this thing to to an altar service. In other words, the first thing that happened is in her desperation, the widow went to the prophet Elijah and appealed for help. That's in verses 1 and 2 of our text. She appealed for his help. Now she informed Elijah that she was destitute, meaning that she lacked something in her life, that she needed something in her life. She was lacking possession and resources, especially she was suffering from external poverty. She had no money to pay her debts. And if you've ever been without, you know what this woman was going through. And if you've never been without, hold on. I don't want to be a, ba- a-, a-, a man of bad use but it's going to get worse. Some of us may get to the point that we're going to suffer like this woman was suffering. And if we do, all we got to realize is understand, we may not even think that we got anything in the house, but if we got a cruise and a pot of oil, we got everything that we need. And what is that pot of oil? I'm telling you it's the power of God. If you've got Jesus in your heart, you've got Jesus in your home, you've got Jesus in your life, you don't need anything that the world has to offer because I'm telling you, we will survive the famine. I said we will survive the crisis. God will make a highway out of no way with no means without any pay without anything to pay the debt nothing except just a little oil it was already in the house and she did not even realize. Secondly, with a heart full of compassion, the prophet told her to seek the help of her neighbors. How many has got neighbors? Right. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we might have to go seek the help of our neighbors,
2: right.
3: and sometimes we might just need to go visit our neighbors right. and witness to them. Come on, they might need our help, right. and so we might need to help them as well as them helping us. But she, she was told by the prophet, said, "Go seek the help of your neighbors." She was to go send her boys around all the neighborhood and borrow pots. And I almost told you yesterday morning to bring some pots and pans in here. Wouldn't there have been an episode? All of y'all walking in with pots. And, I, I, and if I'd have done that, I'd have been amazed because some of them have been this big and some of them have been this big. And it just depends on how much blessing you want to take out of here. Come on, somebody help me. I've done this before. I said, I've done this before. Are you with me here this morning? He said, I ain't crazy. I just ain't got good sense. <laughs> Amen. Pots and pans. Go borrow not just a few. bars, as many as you can. Right. And they were not to ask just for these few pots. Get as many as they could and then bring them back to the house. Right. Number three. She and her sons were when they got back to seek privacy. You see, there's some things that you're going to have to do after this camp meeting or during this camp meeting in privacy, you don't need to do it openly in the altar. You're going, to have, you're going to have to go home in your closet behind shut doors and take your family in there with you and sit down with your family and say, Hey, it's already in the house what we need. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to trust God. And God is going to supply every need that we have. We're going to use the resources that we have. In other words, they would go inside their home and shut the door behind them. Right. Church, I'm telling you, if we could get every family of this church, Pastor, I know you know what I'm talking about. If we could get a family of this church and that church and that church and this church, if we could get all the families of these four churches right here in Mississippi, and Alabama, and in North Carolina to go behind the doors and shut the door and get a hold of God for every one of the family members and then go back to the church, the church would never, ever be the same. Are you listening to me? And whatever miracle took place was to be glorified. That's the reason that God was to be glorified. That's the reason they had to go into privacy and shut the door. You see, there's some things that God wants to do for you. He don't want it exposed to the community. Matter of fact, he don't even want it exposed to the church. This is a private thing now. This is a personal thing. Come on, somebody help me. Because you see, you don't have to advertise for God after God does something for you and your family. It'll advertise itself. The miracle of meeting her need was not to attract attention to her, nor to point to her as a super spiritual person, but rather, rather to honor God. Honor God with what God's fixing to do. And out of a heart of compassion, God would be meeting her need. But but I'm telling you, but he and he alone, God and God alone was to be praised. God and God alone was to be recognized as the one that was going to do the miracle that this lady needed to be done in her life. And I'm telling you, church, here this morning, we need to praise God for what he's done. How many this morning can show, show of hands that God's been good to you? Hasn't God been better to you than you've been to him? I can tell you here for a sight, God's been a whole lot better to me than I could ever in my life be to him. I could have been in hell this morning. I mean, I, I ran from God for 18 years and didn't knew there was even a God. I wasn't tucked to church, wasn't raised in church, didn't know anything about church. But I knew somehow or another, that during that 18 years, I did believe that there was somebody up there higher than what I was. Even though I wasn't taught it, I believed there was a God. Because I looked around the world and I seen these things, and I hardly ever went out of North Carolina. But even there in Robinson County, there was trees this big. Trees this big. How did they get from here to that big? It had to be God. And then I looked at the river and all of them fish that we was catching on Sunday. Red breast, Come on. Perch. And then I catch catching old black fish. And all you do is cut his throat and throw him up on, on, the, on the side of the bank up there so he won't grow no more. And what about them old eels? Them looking snaky looking things. Do them the same way. Cut them out and throw them on the hill because you don't want them to grow no more. Y'all looking at me mighty funny. I still have my pocket knife with me. I don't look too crazy up here now. I still got my pocket knife with me. I still know how to get scabs. My mama would tell me to go out there and kill that rooster or kill that chicken. You put him in that hot water, you know what you do to him, Brother Eddie? You get that you get that rooster scap off the head because you ain't throwing that head away. So you start pulling them hairs out, some on them feathers out. And you scap that you scalp that, that chicken or that rooster. And then you cook that head. Along with the rest. All y'all, come on, y'all. Number four, I'm moving on. Number four, what's inside the home? The widow was to begin to go to work. You see, once you get all those pots and all those containers, you've already got in the house what you need to fill them pots up with. Now you've got to go to work. After you went into that room and you got along with God, now it's time to go to work. Now what she's got to do now is she's got to take that cruise of oil. And she's got to take all them pots and she's got to take that lead off that, and she's got to start pouring. And she pours in that one container until that container is completely full. Then she pushes that to a side and she grabs another one. And she pushes that to a side and she grabs another one. And she pushes that to a side and she grabs another. One. And, she and she pours and she pours and she pours until every container that has been barred is full. And then I'm telling you, my friend, things are improving right now. She don't realize but things is picking up around her home. She was to take those little containers and pour them all four. She was to continue to pour them to the, all four. And number five, if the widow believed Elijah, she was to do exactly what he was going to instruct her at this point to do. If she trusted God, then she needed to trust God all the way. And just imagine, just imagine, church, as she was pouring out that oil what kind of faith that took to take a little pot of oil and fill all these other pots. Imagine in your mind, there's a hundred, hundred and fifty 150 pots up here across this altar. In other words, you remember, you just, just imagine, I don't know how many souls are here right now. I think, I think there may be 35. I don't know if anybody counts. But as I look at the congregation, I can look this side, look this side, and almost estimate, I've been passing so long, I can almost tell you about how many is in the church, at least at my church. I can almost tell you how many is there. And it's going to be close to 35 here this morning. Might be a few more, a few less, but it's going to be right during that figure. And you think about it. If all 35 of you that have come up here this morning and all 35 of you that don't have the feeling would get the feeling, all the rest of us do have the feeling, we'd get the feeling better. Because it makes us feel better when you start getting filled. Come on, somebody help me. I get excited when folks receive the power, power of the Holy Ghost, the filling of the Holy Ghost. And if we could all, you all 35 or 40 or whatever people are here this morning, and I'm talking about kids too. Did you know John the Baptist? Hey, I'm telling you, that boy was born with the Holy Ghost. Huh? If we could get everyone, all the kids filled with the Holy all the adults filled with the Holy Ghost, and we come back in here tonight, all of us who come back in here tonight, full of the Holy Ghost, talking in tongues, amen, and jumping in hollering, hollering corner, I'm telling you, this place would go up in fire. This place would go crazy. And you're talking about flying like the eagle. You said that's going to be pushing you out of the nest. That's what some of us need to do. We need to get pushed out of the nest. Come on, come on. Are you with me? Just imagine the faith it took to take that little bit of oil and fill all those pots. And begin to pour that oil and all these pots filled up. Then after she got all those pots filled up, the latter part of this message is this. She said, now what am I going to do with all of this oil? Her debt still ain't paid. And the prophet Elijah told us "said you go now and you sell to those who buy oil. And you say, I ain't worried about diesel going out and oil going out. I ain't worried about trying to drive no electric car around. I'd ride a bicycle before I ride an electric car around. Because if I can get further down the road with my bicycle, I can't with an electric car. Because that electric car ain't going to go with so many amounts, it's going to cut off. And you ain't going no, to have no plug that to plug it in. I'm on my bicycle, I can keep right on going. Y'all ain't hitting me right now. Y'all looking at me like I'm kind of crazy, but that's okay. I've been looked at this way before. <laughs> I love y'all folks. Y'all know that, don't you? Huh? It was her desperation that brought her to the profit. And it was her desperation that brought her to the place that now she went out and she sold all that oil. She paid all her debts and her two sons were still at home her two sons were still in the house I said it's already in the house I said it's already in the house church I don't know what you need in this camp meeting between now and Friday night but let me tell this congregation this morning you and I I'm telling you we can set the pace for the night service right. I said we can set the pace for the night service and we've had two great night services already brother Jimmy has preacher, I'm telling you, he's a preacher of preachers and he preached to us both nights. last night he had us flying he had us pushed out of the mess He had us fallen, but we didn't get killed. Uh, Because you know what we did? We put our wings out. And we started flying. Some of you need to start flying this morning. You need to understand that you can fly. You need to understand that you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to understand that God can use you. He can use your home. He can use your family. He can use you and your community like never before. The prophet repeated. And I'm telling you, he represents, the prophet represents the word of God. Elijah in this story represents the word of God. And all you need in your home is the word of God. The word of God. When you have the word of God in your home, you don't have no need of anything else in your home. Because the word of God will transform your home and your life. I read in the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse four. The Bible says, And I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body." a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, and I'm telling you, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That's where it is, church. we got to get some transformation going on in here. We need some people to get transformed by the renewing of our mind, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Bible says in in First and 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. God wants some new preachers out of this camp meeting. I said, God wants some new preachers out of this camp. God wants some people to be born again. Amen. 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 We're not coming out here just to just to socialize and say, well, mean, we having a great camp meeting. Well, what's great about it? If ain't nobody getting saved. If ain't nobody getting sanctified. If ain't nobody getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, say God. Are you with me? Now I know where I'm at. I'm in Alabama. And if I was in North Carolina, I'd be preaching the same way. Because I'm the same here as I'm yonder. And I'm the same yonder as I'm here. Huh? All right. We're going to get ready to close in just a minute. The prophet didn't give her anything except a word. A word. What do you have in your house? What do you already have in your house? It's already there. She underestimated, just like we do many times. We underestimate what we have in our own house. Sometimes we feel like we need this and we need that because the Joneses has got it. And the Southerners has got it. And the Hunts is just over there ain't got nothing. They're still hunting. Y'all get it? Y'all get it in a minute. We're hunting what the Joneses has got Uh, and the Chavuses and the Locklears and the Jacobs. See, all them names are lumpy names. And they could go on and on and on. But I'm telling you somewhere down the road, all you, you, I need to understand is we already have what we have in the house. It's a pot of oil. Right. This right here is a pot of oil. It's a powerful pot of oil. It's the word of God. We've got to understand that when you've got this in your heart and in your life and in your home, that's all you need because this represents anointing. This represents the power of God. This represents a weapon that you and I can use against every enemy that comes against us. You see, your miracle is in the anointing. I said your joy is in the anointing. Your prosperity is in the anointing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your deliverance is in the anointing. Your promotion on your job, in your church, in your life, is in the anointing. Everything's got to run and go through the anointing. Because without the anointing, we're not effective and we're unaffected. As I close this morning, I want to close with this thought. I don't know if you've ever heard this story about the Sunday school class. How, we got any Sunday school class teachers in here? I'm sure we do know Got one right here raised hand. Anybody else teach Sunday school? Well, I guess he teaches all the rest of it, yeah. I don't know where the most Sunday school teachers are. Come on. Are you with me? I said, are you with me? This is the full bottle of water with the lid off now. This is what you need to do with the Word. Drink it. You need to take it and soak it in. Let it get down into your innermost part of your being. And then let that river bust out of you. Right. Well, let that Holy Ghost, that river bust out of you. And let it flood
2: yeah.
3: out this neighborhood. I believe God's going to send some camp meeting fire in this place between now and Friday night. There's going to be some movement and some motion in here. And some folks is going to start shouting. And when you start shouting, you're going to tear the house up because folks are going to see you shouting. They're going to start shouting with you because they're going to have the joy that you got. Right. Come on. And they're going to begin to gain everything that the devil's tried to steal from them. Already back. I said they're going to gain it all back. But this little girl, the Sunday school lesson was going on. The story is told about this little girl in Sunday school. And so this teacher. She challenged all of her little boys and girls in her Sunday school class to go home the next week and said, I want you all to go home, take your Bible out, turn to Psalms 23, and I said, I want you to come back next Sunday morning, and we're going to ask for a show of hands for people to stand and quote Psalms 23. Now, I don't know about you, but as a little boy, years ago, if that would have happened to me, I wouldn't want to do it. And even now as an adult sometimes, I don't want to do it. Because, you know, it's a challenge to memorize the Psalms 23. It's a, it says a little girl, a little boy. So they went home. They came back to church the next Sunday morning. People, young children was quoting Psalms. Then all of a sudden, this little girl came up to the picture. And the teacher said, what about you, honey? Would you like to quote Psalms 23? She said, okay, I'll quote it. This is what she said. The Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want. If the Lord is your shepherd and that's all you want, you don't have, I'm telling you, you don't have to want for anything. Because you shall be able to be refreshed, I'm telling you, and blessed. Not in the house, outside the house, and everywhere you go, because for He He'll lead you beside the still waters. You shall not want for rest, because He'll make you to lie down in green pastures. He'll lead you beside of the still waters. I'm telling you, you shall not want for rest, because He'll make you to lie down in these green pastures, and you shall not want for renewal, because He'll restore your soul. He'll lead you in righteousness. For his name's sake, you shall not want for companionship. Because, yea though, Sister Jones, you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you won't have to fear no evil, because he'll be with you. His rod and his staff, they'll be right there to comfort you. When nobody else understands what's going on in your life, the shepherd will be there, and he understands everything that's taking place in your life. You don't have to walk for companionship because he'll be a companion for you when your husband dies or your wife dies or your children are gone or whoever else is gone. He'll be a companion to you and he'll stick closer to you than a brother or a sister. He said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. You're talking about companionship. That's where the church needs to get. They need to let the Lord be the shepherd of their life. You shall not walk for comfort because the rod and the staff, they'll comfort you. You don't even have to walk for joy Because the anointing, I said the anointing that he'll put on your head, the anointing, you don't have to want for joy. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. If we can just get the joy back in the church like it needs to be, we'll have cups that'll run over. And when them them cups run over, you know what it's going to do, don't you? It's going to affect everyone down the pew that's sitting on the pew with us. We need to pray the prayer, church. God help my cup to run over between now and Friday night. And everybody that comes in the house on services at Friday between now and Friday night and sits on the pews where I'm sitting, let my cup run over because I want them to feel what I've been feeling. I want them to experience what I've been experiencing. I want God to do in them what I know that God can do in them because it's already in the house. I said it's already in the house. The blessings of God are already here. You don't have to want for anything good after this life is over. How many knows that after this life is over, we're going to be better off than we're in this life? Because we're going to a city of God. We shall not want for anything, amen, after this life is over. Because I'm telling you, he's going to take us and he's going to take care of us forever and forever. We're going to be in his presence forever and forever. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm praying for God to help me to understand the revelation of what we're talking about here in Psalms 23. Because Psalms 23 is a revelation God has promised to every one of us. He is the shepherd. Of the house, and he is the shepherd that wants to be the shepherd of our lives. With the musicians come, with the musicians come every empty vessel, every empty vessel that comes to this house between now and Friday night. Would you agree with me and pray with me? And let's trust God that God would fill every empty vessel, every empty vessel that comes into this house between now and Friday night, so that Sunday morning when Brother Eddie steps in his pulpit, he'll have vessels out of his congregation. That was empty before camp meeting, but now they're setting up full. Wouldn't that make a difference, Pastor? Wouldn't that make a difference on Sunday morning? Yeah. To have empty vessels before camp meeting, and now after camp meeting on Sunday morning, he's got vessels sitting in the pew that's full of the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, wouldn't that be a blessing? I said, wouldn't that be a blessing? But not just his church, this brother's church, this brother's church, my church. You see, I don't have to be home for God to fill folks with the Holy Ghost. You don't have to be at your church for God to do that. God can do it in their home. He can do it down the street. He can even fill folks with the Holy Ghost in Walmart. That's right. That's right, Don't be afraid to obey God in Walmart. That's right. Come on. Now, all, all they can least they can do, and the best they can do is to put handcuffs on you, lock you up, and tell you crazy. But I, I, I'm glad to go to jail, giving God the glory and giving God the praise, and I may have to do that one day. Folks, I don't tell you, I'm telling you, I don't know what's going to happen in this society before the church is raptured. But whatever it takes, God, let me be one of yours and not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Would you stand with me this morning? And would you let us come down to this altar this morning? And I want us to come down here, church. I want us to come down here with empty vessels. Come down like we've got empty vessels. And would we let God pour in us, pour in us that oil, that anointing, that freshness, that power. Would you come this morning and let God pour in you what he wants to pour in today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
2: Hallelujah.